Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu salam wa rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome back everyone to Quran 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah rabbil ameen. We are beyond blessed to have with us our beloved brother Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim. Uh, Sheikh Yahya being one of the, the dearest brothers in the world to me alhamdulillah rabbil ameen has... has uh, uh, we have we have a long history together, alhamdulillah, and I think that many people would, would love to claim the same about you, Sheikh Yahya, but I hope I'm in your top five, somewhere in your top five, inshallah. Uh, and uh, Sheikh, you've done quite a few series for Yaqeen, alhamdulillah, you did Guidebook to God, you did the uh, Redemption series, um, which I think a lot of people benefited from. And if you have not yet gone back and watched them, then please do, inshallah, go back and watch those playlists. Uh, how you doing, Sheikh Yahya? How's it going in Australia? Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for uh, having me. I really was looking forward to being invited again. And uh, it's always such a blessing, mashallah, especially with uh, Sheikh Abdullah with us. It's, uh, yeah, it's a joy. And just seeing, uh, mashallah, the, the wonderful work that you guys are pumping out is just uh, an inspiration. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all. Barakallah fiqh, Jazakallah khair. Sheikh Yehi, before we get started, um, you're Egyptian, Canadian, Australian now, right? And Turkish through and Turkish, marriage. Uh, Turkish through yeah. marriage. Which nationality do your kids claim? And what is uh, mixed like? up? They're just mixed up. They they actually <laughs> think they're Malaysian because we used to visit visit Malaysia so often, mashallah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so I'm I'm Canadian, man. It's yeah, it just won't go. The accent won't go. Twenty years in Australia, and I sound like this. And yeah, that's it. So apparently, Dr. Nazar gave me a hard time because apparently I pronounced Putin wrong. Do you eat? That uh, yeah. So you, you got to pout a little. Poutine. 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 <laughs> do, do you do you like Sheikh Abdul? You know what that is? No, I just heard pout. Like you have to be sad or something, or what? It's how you feel before you eat it. Then it makes you happy. Sheikh Abdullah will give a, a, an anti-poutine fatwa, you know, it's, it's got too much gravy and fries oh. and curded cheese and it's, yeah, it's just not good, man. <laughs> it's your perfect post-workout food, Sheikh. Post-workout, oh, post right, right. And That's motivation. if you're doing those those crazy workouts you were talking about yesterday, the, the push-ups on top of the pull-up bar <laughs> that I still don't understand, uh, then you can afford to eat the poutine, but the rest of us, uh, we can't do it, Sheikh. That's it, no. No, not at all. Sheikh Abdullah, how are you, man? How's it going? Good, alhamdulillah. How do you feel halfway through Ramadan? Huh? Was that? How are you feeling halfway through Ramadan? Alhamdulillah, good. I'm great, man. Just uh, just staying focused, man. Just got to keep this muraja of the, the mushaf, you know? Inshallah. Just trying to keep it up. Brush the dust off, you know, the pages. Are you still doing that? <laughs> still... <laughs> alhamdulillah, I mean, Alhamdulillah. Uh, inshallah, we'll go ahead and get started. So uh, tonight we're actually going to be going through, uh, obviously now we're in the 16th juz, alhamdulillah, I mean, we get to Surah Maryam and Taha, uh, two very beautiful surahs. Uh, surah Maryam being a personal, personal favorite for me. I absolutely love this surah. I know Sheikh Yahya loves it too because Sheikh Yahya has a beautiful tafsir actually of Surah Maryam uh, somewhere online. Maybe he could tell us where it is, inshallah ta'ala. But I wanted to speak about obviously just a few verses. Uh, and one thing that's very clear about Surah Maryam 
is that you have just this buildup of righteous prophet after righteous prophet after righteous prophet after righteous prophet. And in each one of those stories, I think what makes it so profound is that you're able to capture a different struggle in each prophet's life. They all had a hurdle. So them being righteous did not uh, make them immune to some difficulties in this life. And at the same time, you can see the triumph in each one of their stories. And sometimes it's just an ayah, right? Like when you look at Musa السلام, or Ismail السلام, or even Idris, the shortest one. We raised him to a high position. It doesn't mention anything else about his story except that he was a man of truth and a prophet. And we raised him to a high rank. As if to say, that's all that matters. If you are raised to a high rank, then everything else becomes irrelevant at that point. And so you've got these stories of these prophets, one after the other, test, trial, triumph, trial, triumph, trial, triumph, until eventually you get to verse 58. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these were the prophets these are the prophets who Allah has blessed, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given his favor to amongst the descendants of Adam alayhi salam. And then from the descendants of Adam alayhi salam, those who were carried with Nuh alayhi salam in his ark with Noah. And then amongst those descendants, the descendants of Ibrahim alayhi salam and Israel, Yaqub alayhi salam. And then those who were rightly guided and chosen. So the prophets obviously are chosen. That's why Musa is mukhlasa. He's chosen uh, for a special place and given a special sincerity and a special maqam, a special rank as a result of that. But those who wish to follow in being chosen and being rightly guided, their sign is that rahman when the verses of Ar-Rahman, so focus on the name here, the verses of the most merciful are recited to them they fall down in sajda and prostration and in tears. And so both external and internal submission to God and humility to Ar-Rahman. This isn't an abusive relationship. This is a relationship with the most merciful. And when they hear the verses of their most merciful Lord, they are driven to prostration and they are driven to tears. That's verse 58. So you have this high. And then 59, subhanAllah, Surah Maryam. فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاعُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَاتَّبَعُوا الشَّهَوَاتِ فَسَوْفَ يَلْقَوْنَ غَيَّةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but then they were succeeded by generations who neglected prayer and who followed their desires, who followed their lusts, so soon they will face the evil consequences uh, of that. So subhanAllah, you see how despite them being so favorable that those who came after lost that favor of Allah specifically through neglecting their prayer and following their desires, following their lusts. Now, what gets really interesting here, uh, and, I'll, and I'll just come down to these, these few verses in Surah Maryam. Allah says in verse 73 of Surah Maryam, So which of the two groups is better in position? And uh, so maqam refers to their rank. And has the best meeting place has the best ending. So going to the ending. So you had these, these people that are described in this world, right? And the way that you would differentiate the two groups is that one group, when they hear the verses of the most merciful, they fall in prostration and in tears. The other group, they don't even prostrate on time, right? They definitely don't have tears. 
They've neglected their prayer. They've neglected all that comes with being faithful servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so they lose the favor of Allah. And then Allah says, so which of the two groups is better in terms of position and then in terms of nadiyah, in terms of their meeting place? So this is where we come to verses 85 and 87. Listen to how powerful this is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The day that we will gather the righteous before Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman who they used to prostrate to in this world, now they are coming towards Ar-Rahman, the most merciful, in the next life, Wafda. Al-Wafd is, is a delegation, right? We call Amal Wafud, the year that the delegations came to the Prophet So here you have the delegation, the honored delegation coming to the most merciful, who they used to prostrate through to in this life, seeking his mercy, and now they are going to experience his mercy. So the day that we will gather the muttaqeen before Ar Rahman as a, an honored delegation. And then we will drive the mujrimin, the wicked to hell, like a thirsty herd. SubhanAllah. Ghayya uh, is actually people that are drinking, right? And in, in, in hellfire, in, in evil uh, punishment in hellfire, right? A, a hard or a punishment for the evil in hellfire, where they are uh, drinking uh, the waste of hellfire. And it's it's something that is a punishment for them. So, subhanAllah, this is the consequence part, right? So, they are, while you have the mutaqeen coming to Ar Rahman as an honored delegation, you have this group of wicked people being taken back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a thirsty herd. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally says, that no one will have the right to intercede except those who have taken a covenant from Ar-Rahman, from the most merciful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who prostrate themselves to Ar-Rahman in this life and who are driven back to Ar-Rahman as an honored delegation in the next life. May Allah make my brother Sheikh Abdullah and my brother Sheikh Yahya and myself and all of you amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullah khairan. Sheikh Abdullah, tafadlan. Jazakumullah khairan. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Bismillah. Wa salatu wa salam wa ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. Subhanallah. Surah Maryam is a very beloved chapter to me as well because, you know, I think I mentioned this before, but having the opportunity to mention the last page, uh, you know, uh, of, you know, subhanAllah, of, of the chapter of Maryam. And the story of Maryam, subhanAllah, within the within this chapter, amongst many stories, and uh, giving da'wah and telling people about Islam, particularly those that believe in Maryam, uh, believe in Isa, alayhi salam, and may believe that he has a level to the status of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. A very, very beautiful chapter, an honorable chapter, being that it honors uh, you know, Maryam alayhi salam as well by having that name. <clears throat> what I want to capitalize on is something in the, within the chapter of uh, Taha, verse, roughly verses 116 to 121. We're going to go over it briefly, inshallah, but want to capitalize on the reality of human beings and to show that that was something that was obviously present with the father of human beings, Adam alayhi salam. This is the story of Adam alayhi salam when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him and gave him an order. And we see that he was, uh, let's use for lack of better words, convinced by someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, i.e. shaitan. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with the verse in the Quran, verse number 116, where he says, And mentioned when we said to the angels, prostrate to Adam, and they prostrated except Iblis, he refused. Verse number 117, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues and says, فَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمَ إِنَّ هَذَا عَدُوٌ لَكَ وَلِزَوْجِكَ فَلَا يُخْرِجَنَّكُمَا مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ فَتَشْقَى so we said, Adam, indeed, this is an enemy to you and your wife and to your wife. Then let him not remove you from paradise so, so you would suffer. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving the guidance here. He's letting them know that there is an enemy for you. The one that did not prostrate, he is your enemy. And as many of us uh, remember, if we can remember that the primary factor behind that was the jealousy. It was the takabbur. It was that you know, the envy that led to the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while acknowledging that Allah is his creator, but he disobeyed him. Very interesting. Right after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the characteristic of your state if you were to obey me and not to obey the enemy, not to obey your enemy. He says what? He says, indeed, and it is promised for you not to be hungry therein or unclothed. And indeed, you will not be thirsty therein or be hot from the sun. And Ibn Kathir, mashallah, he gives an interesting example. He says, uh, you know, he says, uh, a thirst is like the har al-dakhili. And then the atadha is the har al-kharji. So the thirst is like an internal heat and the external heat from the sun. That's not going to happen if you were to be in the place of Jannah. Because in early in the Quran, we see in Surah Al-Baqarah, and even mentioned at araf when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about them being in Jannah and eating eating as much as they want. To eat as you wish and how you wish. As much as you wish. Do not eat from this tree. If you just stop and think about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed Adam and Eve, Adam and Hawa in Jannah. And he gave them the pleasures of Jannah to eat and drink plentifully as they wish, as they wish. But then he said, there's a tree. Don't come close to that tree. What's interesting as well is that Allah says, don't come close to it. Not even touching it, but come close to it, which is very interesting in regards to Sin, and this is where scholars use subhanAllah when they talk about a principle called sadda dhara'ir, when it comes to closing off the pathways to sin. So when we look at gender relations, it's important for us to even look at the pathways to the sin that can take place. We have to really review ourselves and ask ourselves, am I taking a pathway to that which we all universally know is haram? Does this lead to something? And that's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very interestingly enough says, and he says, zina. Do not come close to fornication. Coming close to it can easily lead one away from the Sirat al Mustaqim and to the way of Shaitan. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this, this pleasures that you will have. I mean, mentioning these pleasures that you will not be hungry and you will not be unclothed. Interesting, he mentions unclothed. Stay with me here because he mentions unclothed here. Right after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ilayhi shaytan. Qala ya Adam. So shaitan comes to them. This is the one that Allah was telling you about. Shaitan is here and he comes to them. As he says here, Satan whispered to them and he said, Oh Adam, shall I direct you to the tree of eternity and possession that will not deteriorate? Shall I direct you to the tree of eternity, the tree of eternity 
and to possession that will not deteriorate. Firstly, the question can, can arise is, how is shaitan in heaven? <laughs> how is he in heaven? This is where subhanAllah one would think, and it's natural to think, but realizing when we learn more about Allah, we understand that he is al-qadir. He's able to do what he wills, how he wills. So this all ultimately is a test for us to be able to listen to it today, to take a message of a reality that was present, is present, and will be present until, until the end of time. The reality of shaitan convincing you to be an, a disobedient, non-compliant person, non-compliant to the sharia, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So shaitan, as we know, shaitan comes from shaitana, which means ba'udu, which means to be far away from. And in this case, far away from the mercy of Allah. Because not only is he evil, he's calling you to evil. As he promises in numerous verses in the Quran and chapters in the Quran. There's a conversation between him and Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, subhanAllah, when Adam takes this advice from shaitan, as shaitan even mentions, you know, in the chapter of Al-A'raf, that shaitan promises them. He even swears that he is from the advisors. He swears. And Ibn Kathir mentions how, why Adam would even believe him. Because Adam would not, didn't even fathom that someone would swear to, would swear for them to do this evil. So he believed him and he followed the, uh, the path of, of shaitan at that moment. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, when, when shaitan promised him the shajaratul khuld or takuna min al-khalidin, to be from those that would live forever. This is a natural desire of man is to live forever and not to die. And then also subhanAllah of being someone that has possession that will not be tampered with, that will not be tampered with, or that will not be taken away from you. So having a lifelong ownership, no one over you, and having that ownership that will never be taken away from you. This is what shaitan is promising, promising them. But when you look at subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already had them in Jannah. They were already there. And he gave them everything. But then Satan took that little pathway and lied to them for them to be disobedient. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, mentioning after that, he says, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, And Adam and his wife, Hawa, ate from it, and their private parts became apparent to them. Then they began to fasten over themselves from the leaves of paradise, and Adam disobeyed his Lord and erred. So looking here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the response of Adam and Eve. They both ate. And subhanAllah, from what, what was the response of that? Their private parts became apparent. Look at the response to shaitan. With the qadr of Allah, their private parts became apparent. Very interesting observation, subhanAllah, that when this disobedience becomes present, it can slowly strip you away from the fitrah. We see people nowadays, their private parts are present or they make them very apparent. This is someone that is stripping themselves away from the fitrah by being affected by the stimuli that is around them. This is why it's very important to watch your surroundings and to protect your heart, protect what you value and to show that what you value is apparent on you in your belief and in your actions. 
So this was apparent in the subhanAllah from the hayat, from the shyness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and then when their private parts became apparent, they began to fasten over themselves from the leaves of paradise. They cover themselves. Allah SWT says, and Adam disobeyed his Lord and erred. And, be, and he erred. So Adam, it's interesting here, is that subhanAllah, you know, Shaykh Yahya mentioned this point to me, it's very, very interesting. I think Qurtubi alludes to it as well, is that, you know, Allah mentioned Adam. Adam. As he was the Qudwa. He was the leader in this situation. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to both of them. But when Adam made this, 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 this earth, Allah said, Adam was the one that was disobedient. It was Adam. Alayhi salam. So here we see that, subhanAllah, the reality of shaitan does do the waswas. As we know in the chapter of the Quran, the last chapter of the Quran, the waswas, that shaitan whispers to you. He whispers to you to do the bad things. And this happens to everyone. And I will conclude with the beautiful hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, where a man came to him, and it's on the authority of Ibn, Ibn al-Abbas, and there's another hadith as well, and Abu Dawood as well. It's the same context in general. But a man comes to the Prophet ﷺ, and he said, Allah, he said, uh, one of us has thoughts in ourselves that we would rather be cold, and he called humama, than to even mention it. It was something that, you know, we have these thoughts that we don't want to mention in the open. The Prophet said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Alhamdulillah, He said, Allah is the most great three times. Praised be to Allah who has reduced the guile of the evil devil to prompting, that it is waswasa. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala realizing, showing us the reality of shaitan, that he will constantly call you. And he will constantly try to convince you to do that which is against what Allah has ordered you. This waswas is something that is present. But what we do is we realize this waswas. We take the method of practicing the sharia, reading the book of Allah, saying, A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Reciting the three kawaqal that we see in the last, Qul huwa Allah ahad, Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq, wa qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas. And staying away from this waswas, realizing this reality and taking the measures that are important for us just as Adam did. And when we do, if we fall short, we ask for forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those that have redemption, that seek redemption from him, and allow this redemption to fortify our iman. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh Abdullah. Tafadr Shaykh Yahya. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ba'd. Musa alayhi salam, you know, even just that name, Musa, you know, just just the, the articulation of it. There's this uh, regality and power that is associated to it. Uh, one of the great selections in the Quran where Musa's story is told in great detail is in Surah Taha. And I wanted to focus in the next six, seven minutes that I have with you about not who Musa is, but how he was favored to become who he was. Musa alayhi salam, you know, sometimes in our life we kind of assume that we get to a place that where we are because of our own grit, our own determination, we kind of forget all of those support, supporting cast in our life, knowingly and unknowingly, that allow us to inherit the places that we're in. Musa alayhi salam has this eloquent dua. All of us know it. Qala rabbi shrahli sadri. 
my Lord, expand my chest. Allow me to believe in myself. Remove my doubts. Help me quell my fear. And, you know, he goes on, although he is conversing with Allah, to ask Allah to be supported by his brother Harun. You know, it, even that is, is, is phenomenal. That, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has just demonstrated to him that I am with you. And it's like you said, yes, yeah, Allah, you are with me, but I need somebody somebody to strengthen me who can attach himself to this matter that has been delivered to me by your order, O Allah. Musa goes on to make a number of wonderful dua and Allah accepts the dua by saying that I will answer this dua for you, but Moses, aren't you aware that I have already favored you before this day? Are you assuming that it's just your moment here with me, that this is where my, my favor is with you, my grace has arrived? And Allah now begins to speak about the phenomenal women who were the pretext for Musa's greatness. And Musa alayhi salam is an incredible man, an incredible leader in his family, an incredible human being. But how was he formed? Well, Musa had two mothers, subhanAllah. He had his biological mother who gave birth to him under incredible uh, circumstances where tyranny and oppression were visited upon their household, where she had to, as she carried her child, worry who was going to knock on the door, find out that she's carrying a son, wait, and order their execution by the command of Pharaoh. He also was blessed, subhanAllah, to have his adoptive mother, who had the courage to draw Musa out of the water. And the word Musa actually means to be drawn out of water. It's a nickname for Musa, alayhi salam, just like Yaqub. You know, many of the prophets of Allah, all of the prophets of Allah, we assume, and messengers, had multiple names. There is Muhammad, sallallahu but he's also Ahmed, as his name to us in the Quran, alayhi abdalu salah wa atamu taslim. Musa had four incredible women in his life. His mother, his adoptive mother, his elder sister, and his wife. Each and every one of them were an incredible part of his journey before revelation arrives, forming the persona, the man who is then ready to receive that wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His mother began to see these incredible dreams of how she can protect her son and, and uh, uh, you know, prepare this casket and place him in it and cast him into the water. It's amazing in Surah Al-Qasas where Allah says that I will, I returned you to your mother. Not for you, Musa, but said that so she would not be aggrieved and have sorrow and feel the pain of your separation. And such is the place of Musa's mother in, in the realm of her spiritual connection to Allah, that her dua is answered for her. Her placement in life is in the life of Musa salam, is so integral. Then comes Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun, the one who speaks up to her husband. She says, listen, I've, got, I've gotten this child out of the water and I'm keeping him. 
you know, I'm going to find a reason to convince you. And subhanAllah, a man who's just ordered the death of every male born son of that year of the Israelites sees a child who is definitely an Israelite. His physical features, his, you know, just being drawn out of water, all of circumstances indicate that this is, a, this is one of their children. And yet she convinces him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission to keep him and to be raised in the household. Musa salam's mother orders his sister to walk along the reeds next to the Nile, keeping an eye on that basket as it makes its way, subhanAllah, astonishingly to the house that they were trying to be protected from, the house of Pharaoh. And such is, is the fortune of life that you find your success in the least likely places. You find your triumph where trial is present. Because within the tests of life and the austerity and difficulty is in fact the liberty, freedom and expanse. And she's the one who approaches them by Allah's divine intervention prohibiting upon Musa to suckle of all of the women who were offered to him until finally his sister, she says, I can adullukum, I can lead you to somebody who he will accept. He was returned to his mother. Finally, his wife, uh, Safura, alayhi salam, you know, this woman who is willing to be step and step even in the decision of Musa to leave her ancestral lands, to leave the people of Madian, to begin this journey, to go out into the desert where they get lost. And she trusts that he sees a light that she can't see. And he leaves her and her family in a place that's protected while ascending a mountain, not knowing if he will return back to them. Subhanallah. But here's the ayah. وَأَلْقَيْتُ عَلَيْكَ مَحَبَّةً مِنِّي Musa, I cloaked you with my love. Subhanallah. You know, Musa is a person who had killed a man. And Allah says, I covered you with my love. You know, at this moment, you may not see yourself as being worthy of Allah's love. You and I may look at ourselves at a moment in time and say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not right. I'm not the person. I'm not where I should be with Allah. But Allah loves you, maybe not for who you are now or what you were before, but what you are transitioning to. The redemption that awaits you, the redemption that awaited Musa, all of these who prepared him for what he would have as a battle in life was all because of the love of Allah. That when Allah loves you, even Fir'aun can't harm you. Like, could you imagine? He's going to walk into the palace of Pharaoh and let my people go. That Allah is going to bring down one of the greatest civilizations human beings have known. And that Musa walks in undeterred, untouched, fearful in his heart, but majestic and powerful in his stride because he knows one thing, that Allah's love is always with us. Never, my dear brother, my dear sister, ever forget that the cloak of Allah's love is upon us, that we can increase it and that we can magnify it, that you and I have greatness still stay, uh, still in our life to be achieved. Wallahi ladhi la ilaha ghayru. 
if you take advantage of this moment, even just this moment in this blessed month of Ramadan, whether you're about to bring your be, begin your fast as I am here in Perth in Western Australia, or you're soon to end it like my dear brothers in America, wherever you are in the world, just humble your heart to Allah and ask Allah for your love. I end with the dua of Dawood alayhi salam. The dua that the Prophet tells us, this is the dua of my brother Dawood. He used to say, Allahumma inni as'aluka hubba. Oh Allah, I ask you, I beg of you your love. وَحُبَّ مَنْ يُحِبُّكَ And the love of those who love you. وَحُبَّ الْعَمَلَ الَّذِي يُقَرِّبُنِي إِلَى حُبِّكَ And the love of the deeds that will endear me to you, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, make your love for me more important, more valuable than my love for even water and my own existence. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us his love, grant us his protection. May Allah allow us to believe in ourselves. Allahumma shrah sudurana wa yassir umurana. Allahumma khillana dhunubana wa taqabbalna fi hadha shahri al-mubarak. Ya arhamar rahimim. May you be blessed wherever you are as you rise and as you set and as you walk and as you sit. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant his light and his love into our hearts and allow us to stand firm against the wiswas of the shaitan and the deterrences that have been put as nothing more than a trial that allows us to flourish into our future. Allahumma ameen. It almost feels wrong to say anything after that. This is, uh, subhanAllah, so so powerful. Jazakallah khair. You know, last year, my, my favorite episode, I said this, my favorite was actually uh, Sheikh uh, Jihad uh, Safir when he talked about Musa salam, and his moments of being a fugitive. And he connected that to some of those that he works with, right, that are in that sort of lowest low in their lives. And what you just said about Musa, subhanAllah, I mean, it's when, when you can see hope like that in a prophet, sometimes it's even more powerful than the prophet Yunus, salam, right? Like literally being at the bottom of the ocean, sometimes feeling like the lowest version of yourself and, and feeling that desperate. I mean, the desperation of Musa Islam comes out so many ways, and all of it was was simply a means of elevation for him, for him to be from those Ladina Anam Allahu Alaihim, who Allah chose. Uh, may Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala make us from Sirat Ladina Anam Taalihim, those who He is pleased with, those who have earned His favor. Allahumma Amin. Sheikh Abdullah, I can tell you were moved by what Sheikh Yahya was saying. If you want to say anything, the floor is yours, inshallah. No, mashallah, just, you know, how he just ended it with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should never give up and have despair with the beautiful names and attributes of Allah, you know, and particularly love because, you know, a lot of times with people that convert to Islam are those that were Muslim and they made a huge mistake. Only Allah knows and maybe another person. Shaitan will make you think you're not good enough. You know, you're not good enough. Who are you to try to become clean? And uh, just remembering the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always there and it's waiting. It's just upon you to make this small effort because the whole concept of tawfiq, of Allah enabling you to do the good, is a small window of responsibility. And um, that's where, you know, we thank the people that, mashallah, have converted to Islam or you youth that are listening to this and just trying to find your way. Keep going because Allah loves you and he's there waiting. So jazakallah khair for that. Beautiful. If, if there's anything that I would say as well, that, you know, the love of Allah is granted to those who are tested by Allah. 
That when Allah loves a servant, he tests them. So when you find yourself tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's a moment. That's a moment of clarity that in your heart, I want you to know that this is a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if it brings you back towards him, if it makes you more resilient and more adaptive and more um, aware of your circumstances and your surroundings. Uh, this is a sign of love that you find yourself questioning. How worthy am I of it? It's a sign of love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you that he is bringing you up under his watchful eye. Because the end of that verse is, I prepared you under my watchful eye, Ya Musa. So each and every hurdle you overcome, each and every sabr moment you have in your life is a notch in your love meter with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sheikh Yahya, um, to sort of end this off on something that I think is uh, something that's sort of uh, occupying a lot of our hearts right now. And, uh, you know, obviously when we do Quran 30 for 30, we start lighthearted um, because I think that, you know, there's there's some benefits, some value to that, obviously, and just the, the love and the uh, the nature of our of our relationship with one another as human beings. This is also a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to us. And the Prophet them smiled and laughed even through very difficult moments. But what's happening in Al-Aqsa uh, and the people of Asham, who Allah has the angels spreading their wings over them, and they are beloved to him, uh, despite the great trials. Uh, you were in Al-Aqsa recently, right? Yeah, subhanAllah, it was uh, such a great blessing. Uh, my khutbah al-Jumu'ah was about Isa alayhi salam and about Maryam. Uh, where's that mihrab? It's in that very land where people have been hooded and handcuffed and their hands, you know, tied. And it's as if they're, uh, you know, animals being laid to waste. But uh, this, is, uh, this is just uh, a sign of Allah's love to a people who were created for that land. SubhanAllah, when you visit, you, you know that these are people who were meant to be the people of this land. Because with all due respect to myself and my family and likely yours, you're not, we're not fit to be in that revolt. We're not, we're not the ones who are built for that. You know, you were prepared for that. And that's the reality. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Uh, forgive us for our shame and our weakness and our inability. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant relief and and, and thabbit aqdamahum. You know, make make their, their feet firm. Allahumma afrif alayna sabra. You know, pour down your patience into our hearts, into their homes, uh, upon their widows, upon their orphans, upon those whose children are imprisoned unjustly for year upon year and Hour upon hour, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow whatever uh, indignation that they face at the hands of usurpers and criminals be an honor for them in this life and in the next. And we are people who don't look at the dunya as being more valuable than the akhirah. Zakawakha, beautiful. May Allah liberate it then. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us worthy. Allahumma ameen.